Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with science advisor Matt Moniz. We are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. It's been a few weeks since we've been here, but that's okay because we we have the topic that we've been wanting to talk about for a couple of weeks uh, here on the program tonight. We have been... Let's see, what was the first week that we skipped the show for? I forget the reason why. Then last week there was the Nor'easter. Yeah. So it was a matter of, uh, you know, safety, really, to have everybody come in. Actually, I wasn't here the week before because I got exposed to somebody with COVID. Oh, right. Yeah, we skipped. That's why we skipped the show. Um, you were out. Stephanie was out. And I was going to have somebody come on, but they couldn't make it on. So then I just said, you know what? It's a sign. Don't go on. And then last week was the storm. Yeah. And it was, you know, I, I, you always feel weird, you know, canceling because of a storm when it's not a snowstorm because people say, ah, you could have gotten there in the rain and the wind. But after I put out on social media that I was canceling it, so many people were like, you did the right thing, like not going out tonight if you could help it. Yeah. It wasn't exactly a fun storm, even though it was just a lot of wind and rain. And uh, when I did go out on Sunday... It was, you know, trees down in my neighborhood, like yeah. branches covering the road and all that stuff. So it's like, well, that would have been the worst part is if I had actually gone out to do the show, then driven home. And been, not be able to get back. Been that close to home. And then it's happened before because you know how, you know, where I live. Oh, yeah. It's a circle. And so if you, if you can't go one way, you can usually go the other way. But what happened was after one of the, um, uh, one of the hurricanes years ago, I think it was when, what was the one that came through that was, Sandy wasn't as bad here, but then there was another one that came after Bob? that. that what, no, oh, no Bob. Okay. Th there was one that came like after that, that was, that was uh, worse for us than yeah. Sandy was yeah. here, uh, wh whichever one it was. And I had left to go try and get some groceries. Uh, and when I came back, the tree was blocking one way. So I was like, okay, I'll just go the other way. And then I went around and there was a tree blocking that way too. <laughs> so I had to get out of the car and try and move this tree out of the road just so I could get home. Um, and then it was, uh, oh, I don't remember which storm it was either. I th but there was another one more recently than that where I didn't get gas before it. And this is why you see the long lines at the gas station before a nor'easter is coming through. I didn't get gas. The power went out everywhere across town. And I had to come here. And I had the, you know, the empty, the, the, the gas light come on in my car. And I said, well, you know, I don't know how many miles I get off of that, but uh, I'll just go to the first gas station that I see. And no gas stations were open anywhere in Wareham because they were all yep. out of power. So I just kept driving around, driving around. I'm like, all I'm thinking is I'm burning what little gas I have. Mm -hmm. And then I looked on my phone and trying to find like open gas stations and, uh, and the stop and shop here by the station was open. So I said, well, okay, I just have to get there, but do I have enough gas now to get there? So I tried to fly down here as fast as I could, you know, not that that makes, makes yeah. it better, but I, you know, I was like, I got to get there before. And I pulled into the stop and shop and I could tell, like I was probably just about to run out. I was lucky enough that I didn't have to push myself up to the pump. But uh, just made it. So now I don't I don't really like to take that chance anymore. I get down to the quarter tank, I, I always fill back up. Smart move. As you should anyway. Keeps your fuel pump from going bad. Also, the more gas you have in your tank, the less chances of it building condensation and 
watering down your gas, causing other problems. Also, the more gas you have in the tank, the more places you can go. True. And we're going to go to some pretty interesting places tonight here in the conversation because, as I said, it's a topic that we've wanted to talk about for a couple of weeks now, but we haven't been able to do so. We're going to do it tonight. The phone lines are going to be open. Uh, Stephanie Burke cannot join us tonight. I wish she could because I know she has a lot to say about this topic, but I think Moniz and I have a lot to say about it too. Now, for those of you who listen to this program as... You know, just as entertainment that you're not really into the paranormal world or you have a passing interest, you know, this might not be something that you're aware of because you see that people are interested in the paranormal. I feel like I'm sitting in Art Bell's chair here. It just keeps <laughs> creaking through the whole show. Uh, but I'm going to have to, I'm going to change this one out at the break. But there's all these, uh, you know, paranormal investigators that have popped up over the last 15 years, and you probably see it all over your social media. You probably see people saying that they are, um, you know, part of a team or, you know, willing to do research, and they, they everything's, now the microphone arm is squeaking. Yeah, there's a lot of wires there that you're trying to move that around. Yeah, see, it's not as easy as you thought it was. That's why I said I was going to do it during the break. <laughs> it's a complicated thing. Oh, don't pull that wire. That's that's the stream right there. All right, thank you. Uh, now watch this one start to squeak, too. Maybe it's not the chair. Maybe it's the fact that I'm just <laughs> overweight. But the, you know, you see these investigators, so you think that there is some sort of, you know... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Some sort of, you know, standards and protocols, some sort of certification process, some sort of training that they all have to go through this and call themselves paranormal researchers. And the answer to that question is no. Now, there are ways that people can learn about it, but there is no formal process. You don't have to go. It's not like getting a driver's license. You don't have to go to driver's ed and then do, you know, however many hours, driving hours they make you do now with the instructor. You don't have to go through all that. You really can just say, I'm a paranormal investigator, and then do it. Yeah. doesn't mean that you're doing it right. It doesn't mean that, and really that should, that's even a hard thing to say because we don't really know what doing it right is. But there are certain things that you want to respect if you're going to call yourself an investigator. There's certain, even though we don't have the standards and protocols, there's certain standards that you have to hold yourself up to. If you're going to do that, mainly because you want to make sure that you keep yourself in good standing so that you can reach out to other people if you need to. Now, we have seen the arguments that have popped up, the, drama the, the dramatic, uh, you know, uh, feuds that have gone on over the years. There's been feuds? It's a cult of personality, so there's, there's always going to be those kind of problems. But for the most part, here... In New England, we're lucky. You know, we all can work with each other pretty well. At least the, and I <laughs> I feel weird throwing myself in this term now, but the older generation <laughs> of paranormal researchers, which, you know, the bar used to be for that. It was the people that were around before people like me. But now I have to throw myself in that because there's a new wave of people where it's become, uh, it's become more about, the people doing the research and the research itself. And the personality. 
eh, in some cases, lack thereof. Well, but the the idea is that it, it's it's one of the few. It's a hobby. That's that's the thing. It's a hobby, but it's it's a hobby that people don't necessarily understand is a hobby when they go call the people that are doing the research. So that means that you have the air of professionalism even when you're not a professional. So if you, uh, let me just see if I can think of uh, another hobbyist that you would call in. See, the people who are calling paranormal investigators for help, they're not thinking of them as hobbyists. They're not thinking of them, of them the same way you would somebody who, you know, spends their weekend building go-karts or, uh, you know, build, building model boats and then taking them out and, you know, yeah. racing them around. I always like watching those. Those are pretty cool. I would never want to do it myself because it costs so much money. But it's really cool when you see it. Like, how much did you spend on that boat? Oh, $5,000. Couldn't you have bought a real boat for that price and just <laughs> driven it yourself? But anyway, it, so they don't realize it's a hobby. They think that when they call in a paranormal investigator, it's the same thing as calling in a plumber, an electrician, an exterminator, anybody like that. It's somebody who comes and offers a service in your home. Uh, and, and so that's why when they say, well, uh, how much is this going to cost? And then you say, well, it doesn't cost anything because we can't charge for it. They're always like, oh, oh, that's great. You know, they're blown away because they're expecting it's going to be something that costs them money. And if you know how I've always said that you shouldn't charge money for an investigation, like to, to, if somebody calls you looking for an investigation, you shouldn't charge money for that. And I still stand by that. If they want to make you some cookies. Yeah. Or maybe if they want to reimburse your gas, you know, and I mean, I don't mean being like, you know, uh, uh, let's sit down. Okay. 10 cents per mile. It took you 45 minute miles to get here. Like, I'm not talking, you know, all of that, but if they're like, here, here's 20 bucks for gas, you know, or here's 20 bucks, go buy coffees for everybody on the way home. You know, that's, that's okay. That's a, that's a gift. That's a tip. Yeah. You know, but if, it, if they want to pay for other expenses, like uh, I'm dating myself saying, saying film or, you know, recording media, then, right. but, because that will wind up being the owners of the property's property afterwards anyway, when and you're submitting. You I know. know some groups in, in, in the early days of when I started, some groups would say, you know, we'll come back and show you what it is that we captured. If you want us to burn you a DVD right. of it, we'll That's charge you I'm five saying. bucks. Yeah. You know, just to cover the cost of the DVD. But it's a different story if you're billing them. And so that's, you know, that's what we try to, and anything else that you do in the paranormal world, putting on events, you know, if you're going to walk away making some money off of that, that's okay because it's, you're getting paid for the time that you put into it. And the same thing with me, I go out and I lecture and I do appearances at conventions that will be willing to have me and all those kind of things. Like, yeah, I should get paid for my time for that because that's not research. That's not the work. That's not offering somebody uh, for me to go and investigate their property. So, like, I'm not talking about those things. Those things are okay to charge. We can get into, you know, what's right and what's wrong when you do it and all that. But the bottom line is, you know, that's a different story um, than actually going and doing the investigations. But, as we were saying, there's no real certification process for the people that go and do investigations. We've said for a long time... Maybe not so much these days, but we certainly said it, you know, when we started this program, that there should be, that there should be some sort of, uh, some sort of kind of standard operating procedure 
and almost like a, a like a paranormal research code of conduct that people should all sign up for. And even at one point, I don't know if you remember that crazy idea I had years before where municipalities could offer a ghost hunting license. So you would actually have to go to town hall, the police station, whoever was going to be the ones to handle it, and you would have to go and register yourself in that town as a paranormal investigator and pay a fee. Sort of like what they do out in other states for, you know, psychic reading and tarot reading type and of... It, it's you would, like a vendor license type of thing. It wouldn't be like to that. It's more like a fishing license. It's, but, yeah, some sort of officiated type of... It's more like so that you have this uh, record of who you are and right. who is doing it so that when you're, you know, when you're investigating a cemetery at, you know, midnight and the police come and they're like, who are you? And you can show them that you have the, the little license, you know, uh, attached to your hat like a fisherman or on your shirt or whatever, clipped to your shirt. You can show them that and they know that you're cool. They know that you've been approved to be there kind of thing and then all that money that's raised yeah for that, i was gonna say you paid you paid the municipality money to do this and then they could filter that money to the right. places that people want to investigate uh you know just it was just one of the many ideas that i've had over the years that i've said eh, except nobody will really do it the um so those are some of the ideas that we've put out there over the years and, and now I stand back and I look and I say, there's too many people running around calling themselves paranormal investigators. And I'm not saying that in a disparaging way, but there's too many of them so that I don't think we could get everybody on board with one thing. I think that ship has sailed. But there are opportunities to educate and inform people of different things. And, and there's things that they should learn. There's a lot of books on the topic. If you're getting into this for the first time, you should pick up some of those books. You should read them. You should watch. Even some of them come with DVDs. There's a lot of great websites that I could point you to that would help you with learning. And, uh, and not, not only learning the things that you should know, but learning the things that you should avoid as well. But there are also courses out there that you can sign up for. And I'm not taking away from the idea of doing that. If you're going to spend your time teaching people about the paranormal, you should be compensated for your time and for putting together the curriculum and all of that. That's fine. So that's not where I'm holding an issue. And to be clear, you're not talking about actual courses, like actual courses of parapsychology offered in you well, know, yeah, limited universities. And, and that would be different anyway, because yeah. that's, that's but more know, of a psychology type of thing. And that's you're paying for, you know, the course of study overall. Right. Like for the most part, the parapsychology isn't the main, the only part of the education. Right, right, right. Um, you know, e even in the rare instances of, I think it's still, I think it's the John F. Kennedy University where Lloyd Auerbach Buckwood, went to. Yeah. or uh, And then I think there's a couple other ones where you can actually get a degree in parapsychology. Right. But there are other universities that do offer parapsychology courses uh it can't just be your your major and and what your degree is in but though you know there's also people that put on courses at things like you know local learning annexes i mean that's the when matt costa and i started doing this show we went and we took a course that keith and carl and sandra johnson were teaching yeah you know and uh, and and we used to go and help with the taps uh, Paranormal 101, they used to teach it at their headquarters in, in Warwick. And 
those are okay. Like to say that there's going to be courses and those courses are going to charge, that's okay. The difference is when they start charging for the idea of a certification. So now they're giving you a piece of paper that says that you are a certified paranormal investigator. It's okay if they want to give you that paper. I'm fine with somebody, you know, if you go and take a Reiki course with Stephanie, Stephanie gives you a certificate at the end of the course that says you are a certified Reiki whatever level practitioner or master or whatever it is that you learned. And you can take that and you can hang that on your wall and, you know, that's a service that you're going to go and charge people for. But still, you'll have it hanging on your wall, whatever. If, if, and if, if they want to give you a but she'll tell you the certificate isn't what makes you the Reiki practitioner or the Reiki master. It's the knowledge that you gained. Right. The paper is just a representative of giving you a feeling of completion at the end. And, and I'm fine with it if there's certification for that. But this came about, this whole idea came about because a friend of mine sent me screenshots of somebody. I'm not going to name any names, get anybody in trouble or anything like that. But there was a person who had just completed a course of study in the paranormal and had received their certificate or was waiting to get their certificate in the mail or whatever. And they were so excited because once they got that certificate, they could start their business as a paranormal researcher. So they're going to charge people money to go and investigate their homes based on the learning that they did during this course. So my question is, did they not teach them in the course that that is something that you don't do. They should have. That should have been one of the first things. They should have said, listen, we're going to take your $40 for this course. And now that we've started the course, we want you to know, first off, you're not going to be able to charge people for these paranormal investigations. If you were here with the intention of doing this as a way to make money, and you want to get up and leave, we'll give you back your $40. But if you want to stay and learn about the paranormal because you're interested in the research, stick around. And I would think that that would be part of any curriculum on this. I mean, I do paranormal 101 lectures and I talk all the time about that, about how you're not going to make, it's going to cost you money to, to pursue this. Like don't, and I've said this to people all the time. Don't get involved in it if you don't have the extra income to cover it. You know, if you live paycheck to paycheck, you're going to suddenly become, you know, uh, all excited about this idea of all your friends going on this trip to this place and you're going to want to go too. And now you're going to start taking money that should be used for other things because you want to cross something off your paranormal bucket list. Or, you know, the, 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 the tax refund comes. I see this every year with the people that post the new equipment that they got. You know, the tax refund came and instead of fixing the roof on your house, you went out and bought an SLS camera. You know, so it's, it's things like that that you know, those little things that will add up and will take money out of your pocket and out of your, out of your family's budget. So you have to make sure that you have the ability to do that or just make sure that you get people on your team that have the money to do that. Yeah. And then it's, it works out for you either way. Uh, but the, the idea of saying to them, and I'm not sure that it was said this way in the course, but I have a feeling that it wasn't not said. So you're going to get this piece of paper and that's somehow going to allow you to you know, hang a shingle out and say, I'm now a paranormal investigator and I get $50 an hour or what have you. Uh, so that's, 
that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is, uh, you know, I started looking into this website where the person went to see exactly what was being taught. I'm going to tell you exactly what was being taught. Okay. Please feel free to do so. Uh, the, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, it, it's fine to be, you know, going through these courses and learning about how to do things properly in this and that. But you're right. You're, you would not be ethically making money off of the people you're trying to supposed to help. And the key word here is help, you know, when, when you're looking into this. Most paranormal investigators that make any money in this make it by um, doing speaking and talking to other people that want to hear about this stuff, not from the people that have haunted places, per se. You understand what I'm saying? Right. And, and other people come to see other people that have had more experience than them, per se, and those are the only people I know that really have... Um, made any money at this and not that much at, at that so and i've i've said this before that you know the people who make money in the paranormal aren't making money necessarily because of the paranormal they're making money because of the skills that they have around the fact that they're right. paranormal investigators so you know just going to use myself as an example the paranormal is the thing that i've chosen to focus on but i make my money as a person who writes about things as a person who goes out and lectures about things as a person who goes and researches things for you know television programs or whatever right and so i get paid for those skills but it just happens to be that the paranormal is the theme right and this is something that other people do in other you know sports that's the other thing that you deal with you're paid to write about sports you're also paid to go to the games and you know the same idea but you're not out there you know charging tom brady to you know to write about his last game yeah. and so the the here, here are the courses that are offered diploma in modern demonology for paranormal investigators Okay. Let me give you the, uh, the quick little synopsis of the course. This course's approach to demonology will give you practical skills in identifying, communicating with, summoning, and controlling demons, free of religious concepts and dated mythology. Okay. Uh -huh. Well, I've got some questions there. I got several. But the thing that stands out the most is, for the low, low price of $40, you can learn how to summon and control demons. Let's just say that this is true and that you really can summon and control demons. I would like to see the price of that course be a little bit higher so that <laughs> not just anybody can come and learn how to summon demons. You know, have a little bit of a, of a line of demarcation of where you think uh, the value is in being able to summon and control demons. I don't think it's $40. I mean, I've gone through the Taco Bell drive-thru with a couple of friends in the car and spent $40. So I don't know if that's and a good... And talk about summoning demons. Right. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's that's the, 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 the dollar figure I would put on, uh, on a power like that. Uh, but that's one of the courses. Another course, Diploma in Practical Ghost Hunting and Scientific Analysis. 
This course gives you a practical and usable knowledge of ghost hunting and paranormal research, which is invaluable when conducting your own paranormal investigations or as part of a group event. Also $40. Now, here's my issue with that. It sounds on the surface like a good idea. A good course, $40 will teach you how to avoid, you know, thinking that orbs are ghosts and, you know, uh, being able to tell when uh, something is a, is a sound that was, that was in the room as opposed to EVP. You know, there's a lot of right. knowledge that can be gained there. Diploma in Practical Ghost Hunting and Scientific Analysis. Okay. Don't you need to know the science? Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Do you think a $40 course is giving you all of the physics background that you need to conduct scientific analysis of the paranormal? Uh, that's the cheapest school I've seen. I mean, you are a scientist. That's yeah. what you went to school for. Yeah. And you can't even conduct scientific analysis of the paranormal. I, it, well, I'm not, not going to say that, you know... Forty bucks is cheap, but you can you can try to apply science to your analysis of paranormal things, right? right but, but there's no, it hasn't been proven, so it can't be a scientific analysis of it. It's going to be pseudoscience until it's proven. And therein lies the crux, right? And yeah. I, and but when I say pseudoscience, for those who don't understand, that's not a that's not a negative term, right? It's that you know it's pseudoscience because. Where it's trying to be science, but it's not. And that's just the... the it's not accepted science. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think that it ever will be either. So and at some point, we have to kind of get over the idea of trying to... Like, you can still study it and try to figure it out without having to make it... Well, science is a methodology, first and foremost. Well, People got to understand I'm it. using I'm using science as the, you know, the the general term for really uh proving it through the the laws of physics. Okay. Um for some things, yeah. Uh, they're still proving physics. So right. <laughs> that, and that, that that's an endpoint that keeps moving. So And we're also yeah, we're having our uh, entire idea of what physics are upended with new discoveries. And this happens all the time in science and, and in physics. So, But I don't know if a $40 course is going to cover all of that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, but if, if, if that's not enough for you, you know, if you take that first $40 course and you still don't feel like you have learned everything that you want to learn about it, for another $40, you can, take, you can get your diploma in advanced scientific theory for paranormal investigators. An advanced, an advanced course which gives paranormal investigators a better understanding of the areas of physics and earth science which determine the behavior and perception of hauntings. So you can learn all, Are all about these classes physics. online. Yes. Okay. Would you like to take them all? I was just thinking that. Let me take the take the entire courses and see what's what and give you Because order. you can get you know, there's there's so there's one more course that I haven't told you about yet. Okay. And this is the real big problem one for me. Okay. I mean, as much as I have a problem with all the other ones. Diploma in ghost hunting, event planning, and management. Oh, my God. $40. <laughs> so that is a small investment for the... Oh, God. How many for the millions of dollars awaiting you when you start running paranormal ghost hunting events. How many of these have you and I run over the course of the... Oh, God. <laughs> 
40 bucks to learn how to do it, huh? 40 bucks. Oh, God. 40 bucks to learn how to do it the way that they're going to try and teach you. This course oh. gives you an overview of event management as well as the finer details of planning a paranormal event, including activity suggestions, equipment requirements, and legal considerations. Now, oh. keep in mind, this course is being taught in the U.K. Some of their rules might be a little bit different yeah. than U.S. rules. Okay. But so anyway, four courses for $40, right? So that's $160 to take all of yeah. these courses. But don't worry, Monies, you can get all of these courses for one low price of just $58. So for $58, you can take all of these courses and be certified and have your diploma in each one of these fields. I mean, I know, you know, college degrees and high school diplomas and all of that stuff, that, that doesn't matter. You can supersede that with your paranormal diplomas okay. uh, from this uh, from this organization. So, uh, and I'm waiting for somebody to call and be like, what's the name of that website so I can take it? <laughs> um, I want to take them just to see what the hell they got in them. So, I'm going to put this out there as to who it is. I need a laugh. This is not an endorsement. It is a website called paralearning.org, paralearning which sounds like the perfect website Yeah, because it's, you know, it's not learning, it's paralearning, uh, but <laughs> paralearning.org is the name of the site, and it's run through the UK site called Higgypop. Now, Higgypop is, as a friend of mine who lives in the UK put it, it's like a paranormal TMZ. Yeah. So it's not exactly, you know, it, it's it's a bit of a pop culture-y kind of paranormal site. Now, let me put out a, a disclaimer here, a caveat here, that I am the paranormal editor for UltimateUnexplained.com, which some people might consider to be a competing site. So if I'm going to bash this site, people might say, well, that's not really fair. But I looked over the site, and I feel like it's different than what it is that we do at Ultimate Unexplained. It has a lot of the same paranormal-type news, but this is definitely more of a paranormal pop culture kind of site. And so, you know, the lead story, Zach Bagans hits one million followers on Twitter. That is, so, you know. breaking paranormal news, <laughs> uh, you know, but whatever. I'm not bashing them for what it is that they do. Uh, I would be concerned about the qualifications of the people that run this site as to being the ones who can offer up certification in the paranormal. Uh, but, you know, they write about some different experiments, some different ideas, some historical things. You know, it's it's certainly worth reading. And it's, you know, I took a look at some of the stories and they're interesting and it's it's I'm not putting down what it is that they do. Uh, but they also run a YouTube channel in which uh, the person who runs Higgy Pop who claims to be a, uh, a black arts practitioner, in these YouTube videos, uh, he shows you how to conduct all these different spells. So a spell to get anything you want in life. A real spell to attract love. Uh, let's see. Uh, trying an anti-bullying spell. A uh, business success spell. A cursing ritual. Uh, this just sounds like garbage to me. So... This is the person that you're going to go spend $40 to teach you how to summon demons and control demons. Uh, I don't see a video, though, that says, here's video proof of me summoning and controlling a demon. I don't see any videos where it says, uh, let me explain my high-level theories of quantum physics that I will then teach you for $40. 
I, I don't see a lot of that. I just see a lot of potions and spells. So it's basically a, you know, a Hogwarts community college. I, I don't even know if I would go that far, because at least with Hogwarts, they know that it's fictional. <laughs> but, okay. uh, the other part of it is, so this same site uh, recently put out their Paranormal Awards, and I saw all my friends getting so excited about being nominated for these Paranormal Awards. Now, in full disclosure, this past week, Sam Baltrusis and his show Paranormal Rewind put out the Paranormal Rewind, Rewind Awards, and they nominated... Midnight Society, my weeknight program, as you know, one of the best paranormal radio shows, and I did put it out there for people to vote. Uh, listen, this is no disrespect to Sam or the great great crew over at Paranormal Rewind. I've been a guest on their show. This is not uh, to put them down at all, but I really don't care if I win that award. When I shared it out and suggested to people, hey, vote for Midnight Society if you like it, I want to support the idea of what they're doing in right. trying to launch these awards. I personally don't care if I win or not. You know, so it's like a person that goes to the Emmys because they support all of their fellow actors and actresses right. and people that are involved in the industry. You support the concept. But yeah, but they don't yeah. care if they win personally. Like yeah. it's not going to make or break my life if I win this award, especially because there have been paranormal awards for the entire time that we've been doing this program and we've never been acknowledged for any of this. Uh, the winners are always these shows that we have far outlasted over the years. So to me, that's that's the award yeah, is still, still being here, here 15 years yeah, later we're still here uh, and that's the proof that, you know, we are. It, it, it's just it's a lot of it is just, you know. Friends recognizing friends. That's yeah. what it's all about. And so, yeah, I do want people to go out and support Sam's awards and vote for them because he's, you know, they're putting a lot of time and effort into it. But no, Sam's a good guy. But so. I don't care if I win. And I, and I don't really think anybody should. It's nice if you do. And it's a, a thank you from the people who follow your work. Uh, and, and, and you should be grateful for them for following your work. But you're never going to see me you know, start putting that I'm an award-winning paranormal researcher or radio host or anything like that uh, because I understand. Now, if I won a Marconi Award, yeah, well, which yeah. is like the Radio Industry Award, well, that'd be a different story because that is not about my subject matter. That's about, about the, the about show, show overall yeah. and the technical prowess of it and all of that. So uh, the, the same reason why, you know, I never cared if I won any awards for journalism and I did. I won one award. So I am technically an award-winning journalist. But I also call my, called myself an award-winning cook. Because during my time at my last job in the food service industry, I won the perfect attendance award all yeah. the time because I... <laughs> who, who wants to miss a day if you're not going to get paid? I didn't get paid days off. So I went to work every day so I didn't get paid. So I would get perfect attendance. I got a $25 bonus in my check. And I got a little piece of paper that said Perfect Attendance Award. So I would jokingly refer to myself as an award-winning chef. Yeah. So, but anyway, like that's another part of it is like, if you are overly concerned about winning an award, are you doing this for the right reason? And, and fine, if you're getting an award for best book, best podcast, best radio show, best television show, any of that, okay, those are kind of okay. But if you get the award for best paranormal researcher, like, why? Like, why do you care if you get that? 
all right, fine. It's nice if you do, but like that shouldn't be your motivation to win it. So I, I don't know. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to put down the concept of, of, of holding these awards. I think it's just a fun thing. It's not supposed, it's not intended to be, uh, you know, as, as serious as some people start to, to, to so some people start to take it. Well, other people may view winning the award as a competition. Well, it's well, not a competition. No, it kind of is though. It, it, well, in, when, I'm talking once you get nom- yeah, once you get nominated for the award, it becomes a competition. No, I'm talking being a paranormal researcher. It it shouldn't be a competition. It should be a cooperation. If especially if you're talking about science, and yes, there are awards in science, but you know, uh, you're. I don't know how many times I've seen, especially in the UFO community, people have some amazing, amazing uh, data via pictures or physical evidence or, or what have you and they'll hold on to it and not share it uh, another group that does it big time are uh bigfoot researchers you know plenty of uh people i run into because i've been running in that circle lately have some phenomenal photos and wonderful casts and you know hair samples and stuff like that and they're just holding on to it now i know for a fact that there are plenty of people in ghosts that have the same thing and they're and all of them are trying to basically corner themselves in a little niche to get on this show or that show or you know whereas in you're losing sight of why you originally started in it is to learn because well, you, want, you know i mean yeah the, the, <clears throat> there is a good idea of you know recognizing each other and kind of, right. and, and, and I think Sam was pretty straightforward that that was the purpose of why he wanted to do it the way that he was doing it, uh, that he wanted to just recognize people because it's been a tough year and we didn't get to go out and have all the conventions and get to hang out. So it's really just a way to kind of recognize one another. And and I'm okay with that. You know, uh, it's a different story though. If somebody's going to start, you know, using that to give themselves a leg up over somebody else. Uh, by the way, if you want to vote for me, you can go to the Paranormal Rewind Facebook page. Uh, we're getting a lot of votes, and I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, as I said, I, you, you, I'm just saying I'm not going to start putting it on on on, uh, every, on my business card, you know, because that's not what it's all about. It's nice to have the recognition, but I want people to think that I am, you know, more about research. Actually, I shouldn't say that because my business card doesn't even mention research. I think it does. I think it says paranormal researcher, but it, it says professional weirdo. So... Because, that works. Yeah, yeah, because that's what I want. That's what I want people to think of when they think of me. If it's weird, let me reach out to Weisberg. So, but the course idea, the certification idea, the fact that somebody is charging for what we were talking about—those forty-dollar courses—I want to know. It's, are you seriously going to take them? Are you? Because yeah, I really, send me the site. I really do want to. I did. I texted it to you last week. I really want to. Uh, oh, I thought that was just for. Oh, yeah. Okay. I really do want to. Um, I want to find out what they're teaching in this event course, because I don't think that people understand what goes into putting on an event. <laughs> There's a lot that goes on that is uh, done well in advance of the event itself, that should be done in certain ways, and it's a process that even now I've probably spearheaded what maybe maybe 50 events is that a 
Is that a fair number, probably? Yeah, fair number. Uh, so 50 events, and even in, in, in those 50, I'm still learning different things each time I do it. Yep. Uh, the People don't understand this, the insurance that you have to carry for one of those things. And it's not cheap. Nope. It's not easy. Well, it's relatively easy. But it's not easy to get somebody to give you the insurance. Uh, the, the problem is, is nobody wants to insure a paranormal event because there's too much inherent risk in it. Yeah, it's literally looking at the unknown. The last thing an insurance company wants is the unknown. Oh, they don't care about that. No, well, okay. They don't care about the, the paranormal aspect of no, it. No, but unknown things can cause hazards. They care about the fact that we're walking around in the dark. Right. They, they don't like the fact that we're going into places that are abandoned and probably should be condemned. You know, there's a lot of mitigating factors about the locations and the way that these are conducted that are the problem. Right. And so when you can get somebody to insure it, you know, what might normal, what you might go out and get a, a, an insurance policy for a, you know, a meeting happening of, uh, you know, librarians. You know, you're going to have a librarian convention and you're all going to go to this uh, old, old abandoned library or whatever, but you're all just going to sit in the conference room and talk about library stuff. Okay, 25 bucks will give you a, a million dollar policy, one day policy. But then you want to go and you say, well, we're going to be, it's going to be at night. It'll be dark. Uh, it'll, part of it will be outside. Uh, we're going to have people walking around in the dark. Uh, they'll also be using electronic devices. We're going to give them food as part of it. Uh, you know, and all these things that you start bringing into it. And all of a sudden, now they're like, well, sure, we'll insure you, but it's going to be $450. So you have to take right off the top from whatever event you're putting on that huge chunk of change for insurance. And that's also kind of just to fit the requirement of carrying an insurance policy for the event. So, you know, the town that you're working with or the historical society that you're working with or the building owner, whoever, you know, they want you to carry that insurance. That just kind of covers that. Yeah. It's a different story if something actually happens that you need to utilize that insurance. So you have a half a million dollar policy or, you know, we, we carry, I think, $2 million of liability in the insurances that I purchase. Yep. Um, but now if somebody wants to put in a claim, it's not as easy as... You know, they just put in a claim and the insurance just pays for that. The insurance company's not going to want to pay the insurance. They're going to send out their, adjuster, their adjusters to find out what went on, and you're going to need to get yourself somebody to help fight their people. So now you're going to be bringing in probably a lawyer to help you in that battle because the insurance company's going to do all it can to avoid having to pay that. So there's, you know, all of that involved in it too. So you got to kind of keep that in mind. You don't want to spend all the money that you made on the event and then not have that reserve in case a problem happens. The other problem is, is you have to, you know, first of all, you have to give the location what they're requiring for the event. So that's really coming off the top before anything else. Uh, and then the other issue is you are in the hospitality industry. The minute you start putting on one of these events, yep. you're not in the paranormal industry. You're not in the entertainment industry. It all becomes about giving the guest the best experience. And I can't tell you how many 
events we've put on over the years where people have come up to us and told us the horror stories of what they went through at other events. And and I give Jeff Belanger a majority of the credit because he was the one that went to a lot of events over the years and saw the right way and the wrong way to do things and helped us build the formula to do it the right way, which we just continue to follow to this day. But it's the biggest problem with them is, is that it, too many people are putting them on as a way to spotlight themselves as opposed to actually putting on an event the right way. So it becomes about, you know, come and see us and our team doing this event. Uh, and, and it should be like, come and investigate this place. And by the way, our team will be there to help you. Right. And so that's a, another part of the problem. So it's, it's uh, all of this stuff. I don't think it will necessarily be covered in that $40 course. I'd be very surprised if it was because these are lessons that we've learned. And I don't know how many events that these people have put on. How long are these courses? Uh, I don't know. Does it give you a syllabus, what they cover, how long these things are? Uh, let me see if it says anything on it. Well, coming up in the next segment, I'm going to go through some of the uh, the um, uh, and, uh, the uh, frequently asked questions on the website. So that we Any can get into some prerequisites you got to take before you take another course? Uh, no. So here's, so here's the course overview. Uh, let's see. Average completion time. 3.5 hours. Wow. Average pass rate, $97. 97. I mean, 97%. Yeah, you probably, you're probably right. Give $97, you'll definitely pass. Yeah. Uh, I wonder about that 3%. Like, who is the 3% that paid $40 to take this course and couldn't pass it? Um, probably some of the people that are out there putting on events. Yeah. But uh, yes, so the core here's here's what you get in the course introduction. So uh, you get to learn about the types of events. You get to learn about how to pick a location, researching a location, staging an event, risk assessment, summary, staffing, budgeting, public liability, dates, times, availability, uh, promotion, sales, preparing for guests, welcoming guests, ghost hunting activities, equipments, equipment, vigils, post event. Example of a welcome script. Example of terms and conditions. Example of risk assessment. So, yeah. And I... Yeah. I'm just looking at some of the uh, frequently asked questions about it and seeing if there's any... Like, uh, let me just tell you this. If you need a sample welcome script to welcome people to an event, you need them to provide you with the words that you should be saying when you welcome people to, to an event... Don't put on an event. Yeah. You should already know your yeah. place. If you don't know what you're yeah. going to say yeah. to people when you welcome them to the event, don't do it because you're not cut out for it. You're not meant for it. And they're not going to give you the script for what happens when, you know, somebody asks a question that you can't answer that's not on the little tips and tricks sheet. So just don't do it. Maybe I should start offering myself out as a paranormal event consultant. You can have me and all of my years of experience uh, help you put on the best event possible uh, for the low, low fee of, I don't know what I would charge. Thirty nine ninety five. Well, hold on, because I don't, <laughs> I don't want the, I, I think I have a little bit more value than just summoning the same price you'll pay to summon demons. So. It's less. It's, it's 
It's comparable. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to take a break. We'll also take your phone calls. Uh, if you have any thoughts on this, uh, you can join us on the other side of the news break. 508-996-0500. 508-996-0500. If you would like to call in and share your thoughts, you can also email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. You can talk about it on uh, Twitter using the hashtag SpookyLive or the hashtags MidnightFM. I'll take a look for those uh, during the discussion as well, and we'll try and work in as many of those comments. I'm sure a lot of you out there have, uh, you know, taken different types of courses. I'd be interested in hearing what it is that you learned, how much you paid for it, and what you got out of it as a result of it. And as I said, I've taken one before. Uh, I'll tell you about that when we come back on the other side. Stay tuned. More Spooky South Coast is coming your way in just a few moments. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk Entertainment. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Science advisor Matt Moni, Stephanie Burke off tonight. Uh, we are talking about paranormal courses of study, and uh, there's people out there that are offering up courses for a price. And as we were saying, that's fine. Some of them are offer a certification at the end of it. That's fine too. It's just a matter of whether or not you put stock in what that certification is worth, uh, and thinking that it has some kind of value. As I mentioned before the break. Uh, when Matt Costa and I first started this program in 2006, we had, you know, some ideas about the paranormal. We knew some things, but we could always, you know, stand to expand our knowledge base for sure. Part of that was, you know, we thought we would do that by having the guests on the program. So we thought by talking to all the people that were in the know, all of the authorities on the paranormal topics that we had on each week, that would also help us learn as well. And that was certainly part of the case, and it served us well over those first few months. But we also realized that we wanted just a little bit more knowledge and background. So we used to go to those free uh, CAPERS events. Remember those in, in, in uh, Cape Cod Community College? You know, that's how we got to, to meet in person a lot of our friends that we still have to this day, like Jeff Belanger. Uh, and then we... Uh, Matt Costa and I also took, they used to have the South Coast Learning Annex in downtown New Bedford. And it was right across the street from the Standard Times building and one of the little buildings there. And you would take these courses that cost, I don't know what they cost, but, you know, these were all like an enrichment course. So you would go and take it to learn something. There was no real certification behind it. There was no degree. You weren't earning credits toward anything. They were just like, just mainly lectures. Yeah. And just going learning. 
taking what you learned and being able to apply it however you could. You know, there was ones about how to um, how to do uh, website programming. There were ones about learning calligraphy. Uh, that's when Ancestry and sites like that were just getting started. So there were like genealogy ones. And one of them was a paranormal, you know, ghost hunting 101 type course. And Keith and Carl and Sandra Johnson were teaching it. And, and Keith invited Matt and I to go and take the course. And uh, they didn't charge us. They let us just go and take the course. But you know, we, we learned, and, and it was basically the same lecture that they would give uh, at libraries or at other, you know, conventions or whatever, and it was enlightening, and we learned quite a bit, and that's where I first saw, you know, the idea of a, of a exorcism being done, because uh, Keith has some videos that he has, that he shows of those, and it was definitely worthwhile, but nobody was saying that you could come out of that course calling yourself a paranormal investigator. It was just a way to kind of get your feet wet and to, to learn about the topic and learn that there was more to it. So I'm all for people taking courses like that, especially now where it's so easy to take virtual courses and online learning is a regular everyday occurrence now. So there's lots of ways to do it. I'm all for it. I'm just saying that when you are promised certification, be careful what the expectations are out of the certification. I was telling you about that website in the last segment, and they are very clear on their site about exactly what it is that you can expect from their courses. So they're, they're smart enough to say to you, you know, they're really just to give you an understanding and not to give you uh, you know, a professional background in it. So the certificate of achievement is explained as certificates, certificates of achievement are sent to you after you pass the final assessment with a score of 80% or higher. Oh, so they've, you know, they, they have a higher passing score. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a digital certificate of achievement you can print yourself will be sent to you immediately after completing the course. You can also opt to have a physical copy posted to you. A digital accreditation link will also be generated. So a digital accreditation link Accreditation means that it has some sort of value. Uh, there's no value to this link that they're going to be sending you. So here, under their frequently asked Who's questions... Who's accrediting them? Right. There has to be an accredited body, an yeah, accrediting body, body, to be accredited. But here, So is this a recognized qualification? Unfortunately, due to the unknown nature of the paranormal, no qualifications in this field is academically recognized. Even if they were, they would be of little interest to prospective employers. However, we've worked hard to put together a course which is designed to help you widen your knowledge and give beginners the confidence to go out and get involved in the paranormal. So, like, there you have. So, what is a digital accreditation? As well as a certific certificate of achievement, a link will automatically be generated which you can share or link to. The webpage will include your name and details of your courses you've completed. You can add the badge provided to your website or blog to show that you qualified in this specialist field. Well, that's nice. So their accreditation is their own accrediting with a link to their own web page. Yes. Yeah. So basically what it is, is they want you to put a link on your site to help them generate right. more, more leads right. to take the courses. 
So you're going to go out there and put on, on your website that you took this course and became accredited in all of these things. Uh, it sounds fancy. It sounds like you're important. It sounds like you're a professional, but you're not. And it so you, sounds like a pyramid scheme. Yeah, well, and then you put that link out, and then all your friends are going to want to join, or you're going to say, well, I'm starting a team, and if you want to join my team, you have to take these courses that I took, <laughs> and then, you know, here's the link. So uh, hopefully they at least offer you, like, a referral fee to anybody that clicks that link and purchases a course. Then it becomes truly a pyramid scheme. No, no, that's just a reference link. That's okay. no, a pyramid scheme would involve you They're getting money and yeah. it would involve you having other people working under you and right. then they get other people working under them. Uh, you know, this is just a regular reference link, uh, but still uh, none of that really sits right with me. Um, if you want to send me $40, I, I won't even make you take the course. If you send me $40, I will send you back a certificate that says you're a paranormal investigator. Don't even have to take. No, Nothing. don't even have to have a course. Wow. And you can use that certificate that I'm going to give you for all the same things that you could with this course's certificate that you're paying them $40 for. I, I promise you, every door that the certificate that comes from this supposed paranormal learning institution, every door that their certificate would open for you, my certificate will open those same exact doors. I, I guarantee it. So it's a skeleton key? I guarantee anybody that would recognize your certification from taking those courses will also accept the certification that I will give you just for sending me $40. Wow. You don't need to learn anything. You don't need to spend 3.5 hours taking the course. You don't have to pass at 80%. You've passed. You get 100. A++. I'll even... I'll even throw on a, 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 a little red marker, good job, on your certificate if you want. You know, maybe even a sticker. How about a star that we can mail so they can put on there, you know? Well, well it's not that crazy. I don't want to, I don't have to actually invest anything in this. Okay. Uh, the, but $40, I will send you a certificate that says you are recognized as a paranormal investigator. And then you can officially put on your Facebook page, I'm a paranormal investigator. You can actually put on your Twitter account, I'm a paranormal investigator. You can, this will, this certification, this certification will actually allow you to go out and order black t-shirts with the acronym of whatever you choose for your team name. Once, I, I, I will tell you, if you go and try and order those t-shirts and you say to the person designing the shirt, I want to put the name of my paranormal group, their acronym, scares, fear, ghost, whatever it is. You say to them, I want to put that on my t-shirt, but it's okay. I can do it because I have this certificate. I promise you the person at the printing, at the screen printing place will say, absolutely, I'll do that for you. All right. Wow. Let's, <laughs> and the other part of it too. But wait, there's more. Once you have this certification... You can utilize that now to go online to any of the paranormal equipment manufacturing and distribution websites, and you can actually order yourself the equipment that you would need to be a paranormal investigator. So you want an SLS camera, you want digital recorders, you want REM pods, you want EMF detectors, any of those things, you will be able to go and order those now because you will have the certificate from me. Wow. I need a new Melmeter. I will... 
give you a certificate, and then I'll, I'll I won't even charge you the full forty bucks. I'll give you a friend's discount. But then you can go thirty nine ninety five. But then you can go, and because you have that certification, doors will open to you that you wouldn't have thought would be open before. 508-996-0500 if you would like to call in and share your thoughts. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Which chicken, Playboy? Hey, Lamont, how how's it going? Been, What's up, player? Just living and loving, player. You know, it's been 235 days since we've had any measurable rain here in Las Vegas. And the previous record was 150 days back in 1969. So that's just telling you about what's going on. So, uh, Matthew, I heard about you. I heard about your 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 program you were on, the powers of Matthew Starr. Wasn't that you? I'm missing something. <laughs> there was an, it was an old TV show from the '80s about a about a alien prince that came down from another planet and lived among Earthlings. The powers of Matthew Starr. Oh, so that's my autobiography, <laughs> right? <laughs> I know exactly, exactly. <laughs> First civil. <laughs> So, um, you know, I, I took my, I went to Notre Dame, I was going out to be a child psychologist, and I got into para, parapsychology. They would take doing classes there. So I was doing Dean Raiden and stuff in this year at UNLV, mm-hmm. and I'm like six months away from getting my doctor's degree. And I can, so people want to, I can fully see, go here, take two of these. I can write scripts then. So I, <laughs> I don't, I don't think it works <laughs> that way. No. Yeah, I, I think a, I think a you know, just six more months of schooling, I'd be good and set. L- Lamont, Lamont, I have yes, to ask sir. you about the celebrity death the other day. Which was that right? Uh, I'm, I'm, hope, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I'm waiting for a phone call from that from the the, param, the paramedics. Oh no, there. no, no, that one there, I haven't. I know I haven't heard anything about that. No, I'm okay. talking about uh, about Tiny Lister Jr. Oh yeah, yeah, that that was, that was sad. Yep. Not as sad as Charlie Pride, though. Yeah, you know, don't tell anybody I said that. Like, this a black guy in country music, boy, vague. So yeah, well, you know that you know that he he uh, he was a Negro League pitcher, and he also struck out uh, Fidel Castro and got a hit a home run off him. Oh, really? Back in a, yeah, he did it back in what fifty seven or something like that, fifty six, fifty seven. Yeah, and so that's something a lot of people will know. That's just a little something, a little extra. The more you know, just giving that off there to you guys. Well, in all in, in, in all seriousness, Lamone, uh, you know, yes. I, I know that you've been looking into paranormal topics for a long time. Uh, would yes, would you would you ever would you ever take a certification course to get a to get a diploma at the end of it to say that you're a paranormal investigator? I would. I've put so much so much money and stuff already into to that kind of thing right there. I'm not going no half ass doing. I'm going to do it correctly. Okay, I'm not going to go. Oh yes, one of those. Uh, Diploma mills. Yeah, I'm not going out like that. Like I said, if I'm gonna do a, like I said, if I'm gonna be able to write scripts, okay, I'll be a doctor. I'm not trying to be just a uh, a whole hum just anybody round the way guy. So I'm trying to do it the right way. If I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it correctly. So like I said, that's where it's really at. You know, like you can say anybody can say, oh, I'm a paranormal investigator. Okay, and I'm black. Okay, so what's you know these things? It's a bit of a lying right here. I could, I've got my diploma for being black. I've been, like I was told you guys before, I've been black most of my life. And so it's like, I've got that there. So a lot of people come up and say that they're doing paranormal, they're basically, they're doing paranormal investigation. But as far as being one, it's a totally different story. Which when you get paid, what's on your check? You know, and when I've gone to help people, I've gone over to help a few people. I, I like to say dinner. I've, I like to 
dinner, and sometimes the people cannot cook at all. <laughs> and I said, okay, you buy me lunch. You like, I'm horrible. And it's like, but especially there's like skinny girls. I've come to find out that a lot of skinny women can cook. Now, I've had a few good-looking, good-cooking skinny women in my time. But as far as on the most, you know, a lot of people, a lot of women out there can cook. And it's like, and it's sad if, you, if you're a big old chunky girl and you can't cook either. I'd hate that. I'd be embarrassed if I was big and chunky and couldn't cook. Well, I'm halfway there as well, like you said. But I can cook like a mug. So, yes. I, I think that you guys need to be on, be on, be on the tube. Why don't you, why don't you on YouTube? Oh, the, the, com the computer here is having problems, the one that does the video. No, he's talking about doing our own YouTube oh. show type of thing. Yeah, no, you no. should do it all the time. No, nobody, yeah. no, nobody wants to see that. Yeah, Just we have doing, the basis for it. Doing this show was was t tough enough to put people through. Yeah, and that's sad. All right. It's, it's sad. I, you, so I don't, you had a guest on the uh, on the midnight show, like the one said, like two weeks ago, and it sounded just like Jerry. He sounded just like Jerry talking. You know what I'm talking about? I don't remember which had. one. Oh, it was like two weeks ago. And I was like, that sounds like Jerry. And it was like, I didn't know who it was, but it sounded like some crazy person. And I've been having problems getting 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 your program to show on a, you know, like on the Midnight FM app. I, I used to use TuneIn before you before you left there. And that, but I, I've got that app on there. Not using no, we're, it still, at all. we're still on TuneIn. Still on TuneIn on the Paranormal Radio app. And uh, and if you ever can't get it, there's a the Paranormal Radio app has a call in line that you can actually call a phone number and listen over the phone. Oh, like like you guys just have on uh, midnight, just have a listen to like that. Yep, too. same same yeah. same type of thing. All right, so, so tonight, oh, so, listen, I got an, tonight, I got an, I got another call, Lamone. Somebody well, else is on, calling. I'll in. be quick. I'll be quick tonight. Midnight, uh, uh, Godzilla raids again comes on at like maybe an hour after your show goes off, maybe two hours. And then after that is Godzilla versus Mothra, and then um, the something. Oh, God bless you. There's like two other good uh, movies like that coming that, out tonight. That on T TCM. Yeah, TCM. You got you, you go see your mom. Mom's got TCM, right? I got TCM too. Oh well, that's what that's, that's what I'm saying. Bring Matt over. He needs to come over and have some fun too. <laughs> we, All right, take backyard it. podcast. Here we go. Take it easy, Lamone. Have a good night. God bless you guys. Take and, care. Um, Later, player. About the quakes. I'm telling you guys. We've been shaking that here too much, a lot too. Also, like I no. said, this next year is going to be is going to be. This year was bad. I'm hoping next year will be slightly better. But as like I said, for the next ten years, there's going to be a third of the people on Earth is going to be gone. I might be part of that third, but I'm just letting you guys uh, know that right in the fact right now. I've been saying this for for years, and it's like, and I've seen, I've had dreams about about the quakes and stuff that's going to happen back in the '80s. And still, my mother, I told you about that before. But I'm a mother says, oh, yeah. And I said, I see things happen coming in the sky. Oh, speaking of that, the 21st of this month, they're going to have the, uh, you look at the sky just after sunset, you'll see the star of Bethlehem, the star that, that the wise men went to look for, for the baby Jesus. It's going to be the, con the conjun conjunction of uh, Jupiter and Saturn. That's right. what they had. Last time was 800 years ago when that happened. So next one will be until like 24 or 3 or 2305, something like that. But unless you guys get a chance to see that, it's it's going to be wonderful. So that's what I'm waiting for. The conjunction, it's like, like 45 minutes after sunset, the conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. We so will look out guys, for it, Lamone. Trust me, we right. will look out for it. All right? A lot of people don't know what, what exactly it is. Oh, they said a conjunction. No, they don't know how, how important that is. So could that possibly be the coming, the, the, them coming back? 
Could that be the the Messiah returning? Listen, I'll tell you one thing. It it doesn't mean the return of Jesus to Spooky South Coast. Not after his last appearance here. Yeah, his last appearance. Especially with that New York accent, that Brooklyn accent. Yeah, that Judas was crazy. Right. All right. I gotta let I gotta let this other caller have a chance. Hey, have a good are night. You guys, are you guys gonna be uh, live next week? Uh, we'll see. We got a major snowstorm hitting the area next week, so we'll see what happens. Oh, lucky guys! I wish we could say that. All it's right, like, take it easy. Like Sixty degrees. Later, right. player. Bye. Living, loving. All right, there you go. He's still going. <laughs> He's still going. Uh, yeah, no, I just saw that come across that this, yeah. there's a major snowstorm. Now I'm furious because I hate snow. I got four wheel drive. I'm not worried. Yeah, I hate having to be done with Midnight Society at like 2 a.m. after I do all the editing and then be here at 5, which means I guess I just have to leave and drive. I'm not coming in. So what to do without me. Mm-hmm. All right. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, this is Vince. Um, so, you know, on this topic of a certification, you know, I know it's kind of uh, just to bring up some debate, but who would... Who would vet these people? Who would be the governing body? You know, because with every certification, you have a governing body, right. and that would require some kind of uh, unity and harking back to paranormal unity, as you've talked about a long, long time ago. It was <laughs> everybody's kind of dream that never came to fruition. Yeah. Um, and, and that's part of the problem that we've had for years here, you know, talking about wanting to have some kind of and there's been multiple attempts at it. There's been multiple organizations that have tried to uh, pick up that mantle and handle it. But it just, how are you going to rein everybody in now when people have been doing their own thing? I mean, you're not going to get people that have been working in a way that is outside of what would be the agreed upon standards to suddenly fall in line. You know, they're going to say, we've been doing what we've been doing and why do we suddenly have to listen to you? And the the biggest part of it is there'll be no there'll be no ramifications of not being certified. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what can you do if somebody's not certified? Take them to court and be like, look, this guy's not a certified, uh, you know, paranormal investigator. So we like taking the court for besmirching the good name of paranormal investigators. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that, right? Because you'd have to have some legal ground to stand on, such as causing damage or proof that the paranormal exists there's no you know proof quote-unquote to say that exists or i hate saying proof but yeah because that's all relative to in this case i think to the person proof is for alcohol (laughs) right say again proof is for alcohol Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and if you can get, you know, an organization to come to, to come about, it's the, the. I don't want to use the word politics of it, but, you know, because it, it won't really be a matter of that, but there's going to be a lot of unnecessary drama around who would be making up that, that panel. Uh, because the, then the problem becomes, well, how do you determine which person's, uh, outlook and, and views on the paranormal is important enough to be the one to be part of that. Uh, for a lot of people, they would be like, well, it should be Zach Bagans, Jason Hawes, Grant Wilson, and they're just going to you know, name off television personalities. Other people will say, well, it should be Lloyd Auerbach, it should be Dr. Barry Taff, it should be you know, uh, John Zaffett. Like, they're going to... Yeah. St- everybody's... the words out of my mouth. Yeah, everybody's um, 
you know, measuring stick will be different because of it'll be how they came into the paranormal and, and what parts of it they're paying attention to. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, where, where did you get Zach Bag that the um, ground base for creating a, a, a investigation forum or a, a certification, you know? It, it, yeah, there's no way, you know, at this point, I don't think, that you could do that. I mean... And it becomes a matter of, well, what is it that you're into it for? You know, because if you're picking a bunch of people that are into it because of entertainment... You know, not that they're not legitimate paranormal investigators outside of it, but the people that are propping them up on that pedestal are doing so because of what they've seen them do in the realm of entertainment. You don't know that that's necessarily how they really are as paranormal investigators. You know, and, and their approach in a, in a real... Like I can tell you right now, uh, Amy Bruni's been on this program many times and said there's a difference in the way that you investigate for TV and the way that you investigate off TV because... When you're off TV, you can try more things and do different things because you don't have to worry about how it conveys to the camera. So you don't have to worry about, is there a light that will light up that so that the audience will understand what's going on? You can say, well, let's try this, 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 and this. So you, you have more freedom and flexibility that way. And there's people that are out there investigating that way all the time. Maybe they should be the ones that get to sit on a, on a panel like that. And then all it takes is one person on that panel being somebody that somebody doesn't agree with, and then they're going to say the whole panel doesn't have validity, and it's just, you know, it's it's too far gone. The time to do this would have been in the early 2000s when there were a bunch of hobbyists picking this up, and we could have kind of kept a, a lid on some of this back then. But within the first couple of years of Ghost Hunters hitting the airwaves, forget it, it you know, the, the, they had already kind of gone beyond what would be something that could be reined in. Yeah, I wonder if you could, you know, you you kind of said, you know, it should have started maybe way back when, and that's true. That would have been easier. But what if it's simple, just baby steps? Like, hey, here's a standard for picking your, you know, uh, background checks for investigators. Just as simple as that. Let that alone for a year or two. And then say, hey, maybe we should in, uh, develop this. Uh, criteria for investigations just well, slowly get people acclimated to the idea of a standard well one one and thing then, that i've always said is you know here in massachusetts we have the quarry checks, checks and, and a lot of other states have something similar and they charge i forget what the price is it's like 20 well last i checked it was about 25 bucks i was oh i thought it was good. i thought it was maybe it's more than that when i had it done because it was for a school yeah. maybe it's a little bit more intensive but if you know, if you're going to have somebody join your group, have them pay the fee to have that quarry check done. So they're the ones, you know, paying to have it covered. And then that way there, you know, ahead of time, if they have a criminal record and it's not something you find out later when you've gone on an investigation and, you know, not that everybody that has a criminal record is going to repeat. Be a bad person, yeah, right? But, but, but it happens too much in the paranormal world to ignore it. So... No, now you'll know ahead of time that this person was arrested for breaking and entering and stealing things from somebody's house before you bring them into somebody's house where they could possibly steal things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're standard for some, I don't want to say strange things, but uh, some important things that you do. But I've noticed that they don't always follow the same, um, I don't know, I don't know what you would call it, the same standard, even though there is a license for it, like house inspectors. Mm -hmm. You know, one will find something that another one doesn't find, 
And I don't, is that just being thorough or is that... Well, you can make the same argument with mechanics and they go through exactly. ASE certifications. You know, how many times have other people taken a car to a mechanic? They can't find out what's wrong with it, but they take it to another guy and they're able to find it and fix it. it just because you... And this is an accredited thing, the ASE. You know, it all has to do with, you know, how well the person is and how good that person is. Just because yeah. you, I work in science and I've got people with PhDs and postdocs that are dumber than dirt, but they're still, yeah. you know, just because you have a piece of paper doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that. Well, that's exactly yeah. right. I mean, I, uh, in the industry that I work, I work for the defense department. Um, okay. Same idea. We have, <laughs> we, ha- we have to have a certification to maintain security on servers mm-hmm. and computers. Well, I've met some people that can pass that, that, that certification, which is difficult, but when they get operational, they are dumber than dirt. But in the same standard, there's a standard way you do things, or I say standard, but there's multiple ways to fix a problem uh, security-wise with, it, with a computer, but it may open up flaws in a different manner. Right. And so it... You know, it goes to personal preference, I think, sometimes. And there's no true standard. I don't know. It's a difficult top topic. Right. It's nothing that we're going to solve tonight, but it's good good talking about it, I think. I, I think there's some baseline things that we can all agree on. Yes, background true. checks for people, period. Not yeah. just for the people involved in the group. Background checks on the people you're going to... T- in theory, help. Because sometimes yeah. some of the people you're dealing with aren't exactly, we'll call it, upright and forthright. I've well, run, I don't know how many times I've run into that. You know? Yeah, they just want, like, their 15 minutes, almost. You know, they think they can get their 15 minutes. Right. Or they just like having people around. Yeah. Well, and some of them can also be pretty shady in themselves. True. You know, True. I, I've, I've had occasions where equipment has gone missing. And it wasn't, oh, wow. wasn't due to paranormal means type of thing. So, yeah, like I said, you also might want to check out who you're going to help out in theory, too. So, yeah, you- background checks on all sides. Another thing is a basic safety agreements. You should have, you know, uh, agreements with things for people to handle first aid. Somebody should be at least medically trained in a basic level. Okay. Yeah. Com- common sense things to start with. Then yeah. we can start from there. Simple things I think everybody can agree with. If you can get that as a base to start with, then you can build on that. You know, start little and bu- with a good foundation and build up. That's all we can suggest right now at this moment. You're not going to get agreements across the board on fine details. Oh, do you use a medium? Or do you not use a medium? Do you use equipment or not use equipment? Do you use this piece of equipment to do this, but not that? You know, the the minutiae. Yeah, oh, no, I agree. And that's why I say that, like, baby steps, like, things like that. Like, hey, let's do a background check first. Let's get everyone used to that idea. And then everyone's going to be like, all right, we're on the same train of thought. Let's maybe make this a standard. And just slowly but surely get people used to it. And, and I don't want to say trick them, but guide them into where they need to be. Well, they do the same thing in training that you, in your industry, like they do with mine. I'm also lab safety officer. Okay, 
I got to train people how to use masks, how to use, you know, spill equipment, how to use PPE and other things like that. Now, like I said, these people, PhDs and postdocs, but I still have to show them. You need to do this. You need to do that. This is what our policies are. This is how you use it. You know, okay? You do the same thing in your industry. I'm, I'm yeah. sure with similar things. Correct? Yeah, exactly. Like proper uh, uh, <laughs> lifting techniques for putting servers in racks or whatever it may be, or uh, even, you know, defibrillators and uh, whatever it may be. Someone is certified on something right? safety-wise. Yeah. Start with safety first. Nobody can argue that not doing something safe is a bad idea. Oh yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you're you're exactly you're you're exactly right. No one can argue that. Hey, we should learn. We shouldn't be plugging in electrical mi- cords inside of a, a flooded basement. Correct. <laughs> what would be? I hope we can agree on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've seen it done. Uh, the things, but yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much well, for the call. I appreciate taking my call. Thank you. Have Thank a great you. night. And we do have another call on the line. Uh, we'll go to that. 508-996-0500 is the number if you would like to call in. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Yeah, hey, Tim. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. First of all, it's 2020. So let's start out with a special for $20, being that's 2020, for double Dakota mood ring after you get your certification and your diploma. <laughs> All right? That's a lot Let's, of steps. Come on. Well, come on. It's the holidays. Man. We've had a tough year. Come on. Make it cheap. 20 for 20. Well. But absolutely, I, I'm listening to all this real closely, and certification is, so by what standards, as I said, all my years with the Red Cross, I got to the level where I was training first responders at the level of advanced first aid and CPR, recognized pretty much all over the world. American Red Cross. So you get that kind of stuff. And as far as like with the, um, the, um, the background checks, same thing, you know, for, look for cases of fraud or um, stuff like that. You know, pe- people do all these schemes. So you're going to know walking in. Nope, nope, this is not, not somebody we want to touch. Um, and real quick, did you, did you hear, uh, I, I saw it Tuesday night on um, CSNBC that Israeli general claims he's written a book and he was in charge of their space program for 20 of the last 30 years. And he claims that we Americans and Israel have been in contact with aliens and we have Americans on Mars with them. Uh, and they're part of the galactic um, connection now. Yeah. I, I need to see a little bit more proof of that. Like, yeah, you I, know, I heard about the book, but I, footage I, of them actually I'm, on Mars that would be helpful. Exactly. Prove it. Right. Prove. Just like <laughs> going to prove, prove it, baby. But that's, I mean, we've been hearing a lot of that, uh, especially now as we're getting to, you know, the end of the the, uh, the Trump presidency. People are expecting that he's, you know, just going to be scorched earth on his way out the door. And so people are saying, like, this is the time that it's going, he's going to just, you know, put out on Twitter one day everything we know about aliens and UFOs. So, yep. Uh, th- these types of predictions have been, I mean, Moniz, you've been following ufology for 
35 years, yeah, well, you know, and it's been following me longer, but okay. But, and you know, you know that in all that time, they've been saying, you know, disclosures right around the corner. Oh yeah. Uh, that, each time I hear it, I just shake my head and go, uh-huh. And this last 18 months is more and more military releases of, of the videos and different stuff from the military planes and from the boat, like the Nimitz thing that happened yep. twice and different mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, I mean, more and more is coming out. The idea, you know, I talked during on my weeknight show on uh, Midnight Society. I talk a lot with a lot of people that look into UFOs and, and have been doing the research. And, and they talk about how we've been getting little bits and pieces of, especially this year, as people have been home and dealing with a much larger story uh, with the, the coronavirus that they were, and, and then the election after that, that they're working in these little bits of, of UFO disclosure because they figure it's not going to be the number one leading news story. So this is the way that we kind of work it into it's the consciousness. titration. Right. And yeah. it, you're working it into, say, so the people will say, oh, yeah, did you hear about the virus? Did you hear about the, pre- oh, yeah, and by the way, UFOs are real, too, apparently. Yeah. Almost like a pressure release, like cooker, like yep. release, yeah, a little bit of time, a little here, a little there, yeah. And it becomes a, a it becomes, becomes it's anecdotal. An acclamation. It's an acclamation to the information. And, and, it, and it becomes less important. I'm looking out the window here of the studio at the fog that's rolled in. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the way that the lights are are uh, cutting it, cutting through it over at the Stop and Shop parking lot. And all I can think of is I keep expecting to see Max von Sydow walk by getting ready for an exorcism. (laughs) Hey, it was good to hear you on the news this this week, covering for Mary. Oh, yeah, I think I'll still be here. I'll be here uh, this week coming up at least until uh, I can get Paula a little bit more ready. And, uh, you know, now that I see the storm's coming, I want to do everything I can not to be here on Thursday morning, so... Yeah, yeah. I, this morning I was here. We were going to get five to six inches, and then at 8.30 tonight, somebody sent me something saying we, we could get 14 or 15. Yeah, it's I'm like, hoping that we get nothing. I, but have, I have a I question think, for let, let's, Okay, let's cut that in the middle. So five or six to 14 or 15, okay, we're going to get a foot. <laughs> My, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not willing to make that concession. That's not your style, huh? May I ask a question uh, professionally? Now, you said you worked Red Cross and were an instructor, correct? Yes. What would you recommend as basic type of training that a, a group Advanced should have? Advanced first aid and CPR. Okay. That Not may- just basic first aid. You can do that. But advanced, those are the situations when it's more than just a cut or maybe a broken bone. Those are things you can assess enough when you're, when you're the person handling the person that's injured and you're telling somebody who's on the phone what to tell 911. Right. That would make a huge difference. Uh, because it, it, it validates, like I said, American Red Cross or Red Crescent over in the Middle East yeah, yeah. is internationally known. And their standards, every two years, they recheck their own standards. That's why every two to three years, you go back for research. Because it might just be a little bit more that has been validated to add to it. Yep, makes sense. So, uh, basically, And the United States Coast Guard is so close to that, too. Right. So, advanced... First aid and CPR is basic yeah, recommendation. Yeah, you can call any, call any local Red Cross and find out where they have the classes. Some of it they'll do online, but some of it has to be face-to-face. Basically, you know, you, you, have, you give somebody the duty. They are that person that goes yep. in your group that goes to get that certification. And usually, like when an instructor's doing it, it's usually five, six people tops. If it's a little bit bigger group, they'll bring in two. And that, that's how on on top of American Red Cross is. And they just, realize because of how serious it is, 
if you have more than four or five people, you you need that second person in the room to make sure someone's not missing something or misunderstanding something. All right. And just for our listeners' sake, how much do those courses generally cost? Um, the last time I, I did it was actually a few years ago. I've been so busy, i got to go back for mine. I, I believe each, each chapter is kind of about 120 right now. So very reasonable. It's very yeah. reasonable. For the, for the advanced first aid and CPI, yes. Yeah. Yeah, under two hundred bucks. They yeah. sp- oh, absolutely. Some groups spend you know three times on on like, just like, camera like alone. There's all these EMT schools popping up all over the place, right? Right. I still hold but an EMT license. If, so, if yeah. you and I went into an EMT class, say here in Massachusetts, right? Yep. And we both move out to California in six years from now. We decide to go for our research in California. You got to do it every two. Some years, of their though. standards may be different. Okay. Because. It's not a national accreditation. Right. So, but when you start getting to the level of like EMTs and paramedics, that's a whole different game. Yeah. That's recertification takes every two years. Yes. I know. I've had mine since I was like 18. (laughs) There you go. All right. Just a pleasure. I've heard you before, but I I was kind of busy and it's always a pleasure talking to my buddy, Tim. And I I like the people that he brings into it and he's been well respected for a long time. Um, and the more people you can bring into a conversation, especially with different views and expertise, it gives you a clearer picture sometimes. All right. Well, thanks, Phil. You have a great night and a good holiday if I don't talk to you. You before too, buddy. Then. Bye-bye. Take care. And if you would like to call in, 508-996-0500 is the number to do so. We have a few moments left here uh, in the program. Uh, so you can call in with your thoughts on the topics that we've been discovering tonight. And, you know, I don't like to... to do too much pushing for Midnight Society, but I do want to say that this Friday we have a huge show coming up. I mean, every every show is always big every night, but we have a very, very special guest joining us this coming Friday, Max Brooks. He is the son of Mel Brooks and uh, Anne Bancroft, but he is also a very influential person in his own right. He is, you know, he's an actor, a voice actor. Uh, he is a novelist. He wrote the book World War Z that the movie was based on. Mm-hmm. And he has a new book out called Devolution, which is about a town, a planned community, where they get attacked by Sasquatch. And the novel is an allegory for the COVID-19 pandemic and the way that it was, you know, the way that it kind of snuck in and took over and, and people weren't ready for it when they thought they were going to be and all that. Uh, but also he's a senior, senior fellow at the modern warfare Institute. And he's also a political pundit. So there's all kinds of things that we can talk about him, but we're going to be talking mostly about his book and about his interest in things like zombies and Bigfoot and all of that. And so that'll be coming up this Friday. We have him for half the program, which is huge to be able to talk to Max Brooks for 90 minutes. I saw him on Bill Maher a couple of weeks ago, actually maybe a month or so ago now. And, and I saw when, when they put the, the book up on the screen, because they're like, his new book is called The Evolution. And I looked at it and I was like, does that say Sasquatch <laughs> in, the, in the subtitle? And so I went back and I paused it and I, uh, it, it does say Sasquatch. So I looked up on my phone, like, what are, you know, what's the book all about? And I see what it's all about. And I was like, oh, oh, we've got to try. So I reached out to his people and they got back to me and I was able to put them in touch with my producer, Michelle. And, uh, you know, they said, 
call us after Thanksgiving. We'll set a date. And she reached out to them after Thanksgiving, and they did. So very excited to have Max Brooks on the show uh, this Friday. I'm sure I will try to resist the urge as much as I can to ask questions about Mel Brooks, but I'm sure maybe he'll entertain <laughs> one or two uh, and, and see. Because, you know, I don't know. People don't realize. It'd be a miracle. Well, people don't realize that, um, you know, even though we'll be talking about Bigfoot, you know, his dad did make that great documentary about outer space and about the alien question. Uh, that You remember that great documentary that came out in the 80s, Spaceballs? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> as we're talking about all these UFO disclosure that's happening, you know, it's a little bit relevant in that regard. Uh, but, you know, so that'll be coming up. Uh, that show airs every weeknight, Monday through Friday, at 10 p.m. Eastern, on our own online network, midnight.fm. That's the website. If you just type in midnight, then the period, then FM, and hit enter, it will take you to our site, and you can hear my show and all the other great programming that we have all week long on that network, and you can hear all the different types of paranormal topics that we cover. And uh, the the Midnight Society show is available in archive form, and you know we, we do a subscription-based thing there. It's not yeah. free like Spooky South Coast, but it's very cheap to, to get access to all the archives. And you can hear all the great guests that we've had uh, over. I was telling Moniz before we went on the air last night, I talked to Daryl Sims, the alien hunter. You know, So here's a guy that's been around ufology forever doing this work of pulling out you know implants from people, and uh, we're talking with him about like what all that means. I mean, it's... Two hours on the radio here is great, but like on three hours and being on the internet where you can kind of say whatever you want and you don't really have to worry about things and you can really get kind of deep and weird and uh, go down paths that you wouldn't normally go down, uh, that's a lot of fun. He has an interesting background. The uh, the alien hunter? Oh, yeah. yeah. Between the CIA and law enforcement. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. We talked about all of that stuff. And uh, and we will have Moniz on at some point when I can keep him up for three hours in the middle of the night. Sure. It's uh, it, it's it's a little bit different when you are looking into uh, some of the the things that we talk about here so often. You know, so you know when when we started doing this show, we focused heavily on things like ghosts. You know, and, and we still do for the most part because that's kind of my bread and butter. And and we don't really talk. I don't really talk about it as much on Midnight Society, so I can like get the ghosts out of my system uh, here. But, you know, it was because you're doing a show weekly. If you do every fourth show or every fifth show as UFOs, like you have a lot of time between it. But when you're talking about these fringe topics every night, you know, you keep talking about them uh, frequently. So, you know, UFOs might be the subject of two or three of the shows each week. And so you're never really far from the the, the conversation. So, it's kind of shaken my outlook a little bit to know like how much are people talking about UFOs? Cause I'm talking about it three nights a week. How much is it being talked about outside of, you know what I'm doing, but it does seem like there isn't a day that goes by, especially now that I'm working on ultimate unexplained.com. If there isn't a day that goes by that there isn't some UFO story that comes out now. I'm aware. I mean, okay. It, I'm going to share something with you. Uh, and this is only known to, Certain select people. Last weekend, there was a mass abduction that went on. As you know, I'm involved with an abduction group. And it was something like 30 people on one night, all from all, all over the place. 
all had an experience. So it was not in a centralized location? No, it was just a whole bunch of abductees all got taken on the same night from different locations. Were these all first-time abductees or all repeat? Oh, yeah. And was there any indication as to why they were taken? Yeah. Everybody had their own experience as they normally do, but uh, everybody all agreed for whatever reason, it seemed like this was very unplanned and very rushed. Okay. I mean, is it is it like when it got this close to Christmas and my dad would be like, get in the car, we got to go find some gifts for your mother. Yeah, that that kind of, you know, oh, oh crap, we got to do this right now. So, I mean, how, how do you follow and up on that? we're still bringing in other reports. How do, you, how do you follow up with that, though? Do you just collect the reports? And yeah, that's all we, we are doing is we're just collating the information, just collecting and saying, yep, Have there been person, you know, there's... But, what can you do with it at right. this point? Have there been previous times when that many people were taken at once that you're aware of? Well, un- unfortunately, there's a... It's, uh, how do I put this? It's not as easy to collate other people's uh, experiences if they don't come on and report them. Right, so these know. are probably people that had previously reported the, so that you were already kind of networking with them anyway. Right. And yeah. then this happens, and then they all, all... all Yeah, exactly. Did they all reach out to you individually, or no. did they talk to each other about it? No, we're, we're, there's a little forum mm-hmm. that we're all involved in, and, you know, we all had this experience, and all of us went to the forum, started, and then we realized that we're looking at everybody else saying, hey, this happened. So it was a group abduction, but each person was individual in their own abduction experience. Correct. And we all went to our forum and said, hey, 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 you too, you too, you, oh my God, you as well. Well, d- keep us up to date on it as much as you can. And, uh, and and maybe we can, you know, dive a little bit deeper into it when people are willing to come forward and talk about it. Uh, but that'll pretty much do it for tonight's show. We're out of time. Uh, we will be here, I think, next week. We'll, we'll get in the show. I don't know how things will go during the holiday weeks uh, because we've got, I think the holidays are both on Fridays, right? Christmas is a yeah. Friday and New Year's Day is a Friday. I think we'll be able to probably come in the day after New Year's Day. We're not big partiers. We should be okay. <laughs> but I'll be fine. I don't know what my my Christmas family plans are because, you know, everything everything's changing now because we have we can have less people now. In, oh. At gatherings in Massachusetts, so yeah. I don't know if it's going to be like everybody goes to my parents' house on Christmas, and we all like you get a two-hour window, you get a two-hour window, you get, to, or if it's going to be, you know, we're going to try to stretch it out over days. So we'll see. Uh, we'll keep you up to date with everything. If you want to follow along with us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Spooky South Coast on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Spooky SC. You can find us on Instagram, Spooky underscore South Coast. Uh, you can find me at Tim Weisberg. You can't find Moniz because he's on a social media sabbatical, yeah. uh, which, uh, I can tell you right now, it is, uh, it's the same as it was when you left. Uh, so, hence why I did. <laughs> so, uh, but those are the ways that you can get a hold of us. You can also email us at any time, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. And you can find all of our past episodes wherever you get your podcasts, including now on Spreaker as well. So uh, all these different ways to get the show. Maybe you're going to get a nice, new, shiny, fancy device for Christmas. Uh, you can always download all of our programs and keep them with you wherever you go. And uh, we've got over 600 of them for you to do so. So again, that will do it for this week's show. For Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. We want you all out there to stay spooktacular.